Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And this was a very special conversation with a longtime friend and champion athlete, Jan Fedino. Uh, this special edition is going to be in two parts. In part one of the episode, Jan discusses what it was like to be back racing after such a long period away. And he describes the difficulty of firstly getting to the USA and then the sheer joy of just getting back on the start line and, and testing himself. And Jan steps through the Challenge Miami race and, and what it felt like to cross the line victorious and all the pressure that went with it. Now, a quick little bit of housekeeping before we go on. I just want to say a special thank you for listening and sharing. And also thank you for all those that are supporting my Patreon page. It really is incredibly helpful. And finally, I encourage you to support the show's sponsors. They're great products and just wonderful supporters of the show. So thank you to Athletic Greens, to Hyperice, and to Form Swim Goggles. I hope you enjoy part one of this two-part series with triathlon legend and just all-around top bloke, Jan Fredino. Now remember, success comes to those who endured just one moment longer. All right, today I have a very special return guest. He's a great champion, he's a, he's a good friend, and he's arguably the greatest triathlete of all time, and at least his name is consistently being thrown into this conversation. And to be honest, it's hard to argue with, with his Olympic gold and three Ironman world titles with a course record of 7.51 in Kona, 270.3 world titles, and the Iron Distance world record of 7 hours and 35 minutes at Challenge Roth in Germany. And a list of wins that just keeps on piling up and look he's had a target on his back i think for over a decade but he just keeps delivering with the goods he's a crowd favorite he's he's a gracious champion and he's just a true gentleman of the sport and we had an entertaining and insightful conversation way back on episode 27 that i highly recommend if you haven't already listened to that one but for now welcome and thanks for joining me once again on the greg bennett show Jan fredino how are you mate good and you I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> Where are you now? You you back in Girona? Yeah, I'm back in Girona. I'm just uh, sitting in our uh, spare yoga room watching a sunset and I've just cracked open a beer, quite frankly. I love that. I just sent, for listeners, I just sent Jan a photo of me piling up my water bottle saying, I'm ready when you are for this recording. And Jan just sent me back a, a picture of a beautiful Mediterranean IPA beer that I think this is going to be a fun a fun episode, mate. <laughs> the longer we go, the better it'll be. <laughs> Did you have to quarantine back in Girona or are you just what was it like going back? No, we we, we were good. Um, it was it was obviously quite a mission getting to Miami. Yeah. Um, yeah, simply because of yeah, uh, because of rules changing and, and uh, me having to apply for a new passport. So that was quite a mission um, because during the time that I got my new passport, everybody else got their NIEs, which is a national interest exemption, which is what you need these days to get into the States. Uh -huh. um, and so my physio and, and, and Nick, my training partner and, and my manager, they were all on the list and, and they wouldn't let me get on this plane because I wasn't on the list because the rules are changed and now athletes need like a case-by-case -case evaluation, uh, which takes takes more time and um, yeah. Uh, wow. And so that, did you go all the way to – did you go literally to the airport to, to come to this race? Were you at the airport or were you told before you got there? No, 3 a.m. in the morning. There's, there's no way you can check on this, uh, on this, um, you know, formula. And I tell you what, it, I've, I've never for a while there it wasn't looking good. Like we, yeah. 
called everybody that we could. Uh, I mean, just a little inside information. The German foreign minister happens to be a triathlete. And <laughs> <laughs> he's an old mate. And, you know, foreign minister, you reckon if anyone can pull something, they wow. can. But, um, yeah, in the end, the guys, the guys came through from the organizer. And uh, um, that was great. Yeah. You know what the ironic thing is? You, I mean, it's such a fuss to get into the country. But once you're in the country, it, it's free for all. Like, I mean... <laughs> We were there, and, and people looked at you funny if, you, if you're wearing a mask kind of thing, you know, I mean, well, in, in some places. You're, you're in South Florida where we've been for the last – we've been here for the entire COVID, and um, it's funny. Even when we go to the playgrounds, you know, Laura and I will be like, oh, they must be from the northeast, or they're not from around here because everyone, the whole family have got masks on, the kids and everybody, and <laughs> we're like – and then <laughs> we go and we say hi to them, and they're like, yeah, everybody – is acting here like there's nothing going on. I said, well, no, we understand there's something going on. I think for most of us have all had it. Um, I think all well, these days a lot of people have had the, the vaccine. But it is uh, it is a different environment here in Florida. Although in saying that, I thought Challenge Miami did a pretty good job of, you know, I had to do the announcing and I had to keep the mask on, you know, even when I was talking to the camera and the, the camera crew were sort of 10 feet away and uh, and I'm still wearing a mask. And that, that I didn't enjoy, but I think... I thought they did a pretty good job of it, though. What do you reckon? Um, I honestly like the the race organizers. They they were impressive. Like because because we were late, we had to test uh, daily, uh, mm-hmm. every single day I, that I was there. I was I was tested and and it was full protocol and you know gels around and all that kind of thing. And you you know you kind of realize that the most thing you do is actually to to protect the others. And then you know when when you see, of course, the one athlete with Annie Haug. Um, mm. actually, actually, you know, got, going down to the virus or not going down, but, but contracting it, mm. you're kind of like, Ooh, yes. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's still a reality. You know, you tend to forget it there for a little bit. I know um, you do. You get comfortable, don't you? Because, Oh yeah, no one's wearing masks and maybe this thing's not a big deal. And like, hang on, it's still going around. It's still contagious. Everybody, you know, <laughs> don't, tell don't, you don't, what. Day after the race, we went down to South uh, to South Miami, Miami Beach. <laughs> I tell you what, <laughs> and we were the only ones wearing masks. It was it's crazy, you know. People just look at you and you're like, oh, bloody Europeans, and, and then <laughs> I guess stand out like, uh, yeah, like right. it's like a sore thumb. Did did that that whole experience? I mean, you put it out on social media. Look, I'm not coming. I I'm trying to come. And did that rattle you a little bit? Did, were you kind of like? And then, and then the self-doubt, did that creep in? What, what, what were you feeling when, when all that was going on? Honestly, I mean, it's, it's just such a deep disappointment. You know, you, you kind of after so, such a long time of not racing and things being cancelled and things being postponed, you kind of finally allow yourself to feel the enjoyment and the pre-race nerves and, you know, you commit on those sessions when you know that's only what you get out, you know, when, you, when you're going up against the field where you're like, oof, yes, this is going to be a tough race. And, um, and then getting to the airport, it was just surreal. I mean, it was three o'clock in the morning for a start. So that obviously didn't help. But um, yeah, th- then, well, you, you, of course, you know, Belinda Granger as well as us better than me, but she's, uh, she's heavily involved with challenge uh, North America and getting things organized and, and you know, um, the whole protocol. And I spoke to her in the morning because she was up in the middle of the night in Australia and you know her very finest pronunciation of the foulest language in the world. <laughs> and I was like, 
there's somebody swearing at me with an Australian accent at the other end of the world, and I really, really just want to be on that airplane. <laughs> and and yeah, it was it was all just just a bit too much to take in. Um, and then yeah, we we got working on it. I, I sort of went went quiet for a while because I wasn't sure if it was going to happen. Um, we were people started messaging me, oh, why don't you come to Dubai? And I'm like. Well, I really want to race the strongest field and the really good guys, and of course, you know, the whole mm. the whole hype about it. Um, I was really set on this race, and uh, yeah, it was just a typical COVID moment where you commit, and then you're like, mm. yes, everything's good, and then you're oh. like, no, nothing's good. A quick mini break. I really want to encourage you to do something special for yourself and sign up to Athletic Greens and get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase by visiting athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. I'm loving the new Hypervolt Go percussion massage device from Hyperice. It's powerful, quiet, lightweight, and TSA approved so I can use it while I travel. Check out the Hypervolt Go and all the other incredible Hyperice gear at hyperice.com and use code GREG10 for a 10% discount. That's hyperice.com. If you want to see all your key metrics like pace, distance, stroke rate, and heart rate while you swim, you need the Form Smart Swim Goggles. Go to formswim.com forward slash GREG. That's formswim.com forward slash Greg and get $15 off or you can use code Greg15 at checkout. I like how you put that, a typical COVID moment. Hasn't it just affected our way of planning? You're just to the point of going plan, plan gone, plan, plan gone. And it's like you get more and more used to this kind of let's not plan anymore. And once I, it's like it must have felt for you to some degree once you got into the water and the gun went off, it was like, okay, now it's actually happening. I'm getting to race again. I mean, 17 months, I think somebody said, you know, from, you know, the race you had before with Kona Ironman, which again, probably, I assume a career highlight for you. I shouldn't put words in your mouth, but the, the performance you had there was outstanding. And then 17 months of no racing at all. I mean, it was quite incredible, the nervous energy you had before the start. You know, you and I were hanging out a little bit. And even in the briefing, I think that was the longest briefing I've ever sat in. Tell us about that. Mm. Well, the briefing was one thing. I mean, a press conference before that was that was one of the most laughable things I've ever been to. It was really quite quite hilarious. One of the announcers there, he was just I don't know. I don't, I don't, honestly, he was yeah. <laughs> I think he'd just been watching YouTube videos and kind of popped a few questions up. Um, and but but still, you know, I got set next to Lionel, and of course, there's a big anticipation. It's it's funny because when I have comeback years, then which this almost feels like, you know, despite not really last year just being a no, a, a no, no event year, but mm. 20, um, I think it was 2018 um, after the, the Kona I had in 2017 when I basically walked the marathon, um, I was in Oceanside and up against Lionel and, and it was a very similar feeling. Like I was up at two o'clock in the morning, super nervous and just, you know, really, really wanted to show that I've, I've still got it. Um, and, and you know, the whole hype that had been built before this race as well. And straight away, of course, they sit every da- everybody down individually and then they, they pair up Lionel and I just sit next to each other and put a glass glass yeah, between the, the us. The plexiglass you know, thing. Like, 
okay, we're going up for a boxing match. Um, and um, yeah, it was just it was just one of those things. Of course, the race briefing, new course, that new format, which I still think could be the future of pro racing or some some future mm-hmm. of pro racing, just because you know people get to see what's going on in the race all the time, mm. um, including the distance, actually which was, of course, completely odd, but it was, a, I think, a watchable format. Uh, I, oh, I, think, I, think, I think it was outstanding. I think, I think doing the formats in a, in a closed-circuit environment, you don't have to worry about closing streets and city approvals and all of that kind of stuff that putting on a race is just, it's really difficult for race directors. But this one having these incredible locations these speedways that have the the ponds in the middle of them that look they all or do, do i don't know if they all do maybe they do in terms of um somebody can probably answer that for i'm assuming they might just because that's where they might get the water if there's you know fire or i don't, I don't know i don't know maybe you know they have big accidents on the on the racetracks maybe they need the water there for some reason i don't know that's that's a very good question. But I was quite impressed, you know, to have a little turquoise pond that's a kilometer in length, yeah. or, or whatever. No, it would have been six hundred meters in length or something like that with turquoise water, middle of a raceway, in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, this is pretty cool. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think the race distance it was kind of like a long Olympic distance or a short half Ironman. What would you call it? It was kind of in that under three hours. You could still go all out, but you probably needed to take a gel or two. Was that kind of how it was for you? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it, it's you know, it's long enough to make it interesting, especially on the bike. Um, and because of the way the circuit was and the wind hit the circuit, it mm-hmm. definitely was something that um, that made it interesting. Um, yeah. That really caused up changes, and and you know, that's kind of what you want. But it doesn't draw it out to the point of an Ironman, you know, when, when the spectating really is, you know, going from coffee shop to coffee shop to then switch back on to watch the race and just, you know, bridging the time. There's always something happening and, and that's why I thought it could actually be something really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought it was a fantastic race to watch. For people that didn't get to watch it, Jan's performance, your performance there, mate, was was really pretty incredible. I mean, did you surprise yourself? Let me just run it down. So you had the third fastest swim, you had the third fastest bike, and you had the third fastest run. And you ended up winning by considerably, I think, over two minutes, two and a half minutes or something. I mean, were you kind of surprised with that performance? Or did you know that you had that in you, you know, even though you hadn't raced for so long? Uh, no, of course not. I mean, that's the whole that's the whole beauty of, of going out and racing and testing yourself. You know, you do all these sessions and and it was pretty short notice for me like that I decided it was only about six weeks out that I had decided and committed to this race um, and, and therefore committed to the season after a whole year, you know, last end of yeah. last year, a couple of bad crashes, being out for, for quite a while and rehabbing for quite a while too. Um, it's just, you know how it is. Some days you feel good and others you, you don't. So when you come out and you just feel fantastic, um, that's, you know, all you can hope for. Mate, it was impressive. I, look, let, let's have a quick, real step through, just quickly look at that race because I know I've got so many other things I want to speak to you about, but it has been so long between races, so it is fun to just recap a little bit. Um, when we when we look at the swim, it, you know, you were number one, you walk down the ramp and they say everybody into the water and they, I heard them yelling at you guys, go to the other side, go to the far side. You completely disobeyed them and went to the middle of the, the start line <laughs> and everybody else went, 
to the far side. Had you had a game plan with, you know, your training partner, Nick Castellan, who's just a phenomenal guy but also a phenomenal swimmer, um, and you guys kind of swam together? Had you guys talked about that or it just happened that you guys would kind of separate and then come together a little bit later? Uh, to be honest, I, I didn't even make it to the middle. I just stuck left. I was the, mm. the guy on the far left. Is that uh, what it was, that, that little boy? I didn't know. If everybody, there were people it looked like to the left of you, but uh, yeah. Yeah, no, no. I made sure that all those guys went over to the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sort of bossing them around a little <laughs> bit. Sure. Trying to throw in a bit of weight into the ring. It's like, hey, you, you, move over there. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, when, when, when they're young guys, that, that, that still works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and really, it, the, the thing is just it's, it's old ITU logic. You know, that's what you learn in ITU racing. You, you refer to which side you breathe. You prefer breathing, mm-hmm. which to me is to the right. That means I can keep the field. That's um, exactly what I used to do. I love that. <laughs> yeah, you just can keep an eye on the field. And then the other thing is you got to look for the shortest line. And the shortest line was just like, it was just from the left. It just looked straight out to the first boy, which is only 150 meters away. I would have said probably Uh, two minutes or less than two minutes of swimming. And, you know, the field is still pretty compact then. And really, I would always prefer to swim an extra couple of meters than get caught up in a little, you know, bashing around the boys, which Mm. slows you down. But more than slow you down, it just takes so much energy and um yeah it was there was really there was really no tactic and in terms of in terms of that nick and i had discussed where what what we thought is the best thing mm. um but um yeah i didn't even realize that nick and i were swimming side by side or i was on his feet um until the very last turnaround well what what was oh not even till the last turnaround you realized that you were on his feet because no, we, I, I'd, I'd made a total rookie mistake. I hadn't memorized any of the um, any of the numbers. I hadn't memorized any of the cut colors. Um, I sort of assumed that it was Ben Canute, but then somebody had put uh, uh, put this earworm uh, into my head that they're two NCAA swimmers, and we're like, oh, geez, okay, oh, you know. Feels kind of fast. Doesn't feel that fast. Doesn't feel the NC. Doesn't feel NCAA kind of fast. But you know, <laughs> there's always somebody saying that there's. Oh, do you have you seen this next junior? Oh, there's oh, always totally, somebody planning a seat. Totally. Like, really? Oh, come on. I remember. There's a little side story. I remember doing St. Anthony's once and um, the, the Florida race here, and they used to have a, a thousand dollar bonus for the fastest run. Anyway, I, I I was going for the win of the race, but I remember. Being in the run and going, I think I was, maybe I was racing for second. I don't know. Matt Reed had already gone off the front. Anyway, I remember thinking, I am going to sprint this run just to make sure this kid who I knew had been saving up for the, in the swim in the bike just to collect his thousand dollars. And he was like a <laughs> sub four minute mile or whatever. Anyway, I beat him by three seconds and got the thousand bucks. Cause I was like, screw you. This is a triathlon. <laughs> it's this a funny one. My terrain fuel- <laughs> and you will not come and piss on my doorstep. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing what we can use to fuel us up. Right. I mean, it's kind of like, yeah. So that, that was my little thing that, did you know also, I watched the start of that race that you guys were in and, I was really surprised Lionel Sanders started three deep on the right-hand side. He wasn't on the actual the start line. I was, I was amazed at that and um, maybe I shouldn't be giving him advice. But, but I'm like, dude, you always start at the front. I don't know whoever's told him to start three deep. What do you Especially think? not because he was seated. That's what I mean. But maybe he's also just being smart in the sense of not being overrun, you know. It's kind of... He knows that the pace was on, and I think he was pretty happy with the swim, actually. His tactic may have worked for him, 
Um, yeah, he was but, happy with the swim. Yeah, yeah, but but that's just the thing, you know. I think we just come from a, from a different idea and a different background. That's the thing. Uh, ITU racing mentally is so different to Ironman racing, and it really is the best school. You know, it's it, it's a bit like coming from the track to run marathon. I feel like you know, in terms of technique and and all these kind of pacing and and all that kind of thing, just just hardens you up, and and uh, perhaps that's something. Um, or an advantage that that the ITU generation brings to long course racing um, mm. in in the overall complexity of it. You know? No, I would agree with that. I agree, and I like the fact that you call it like the schooling. I think it is. It's almost like a schooling. It's an education, and what you, is you it? learn. You know that- how it is. We used to get smashed. We used to get smashed <laughs> all the time, and that's the thing. Like I, the last time I swam that kind of course, similar was Madrid, and it wasn't a right hand turn. It was a left hand turn, but it was mm-hmm. a similar distance. And you used to get beat oh. up like oh. like six love, you know, yeah, and you yeah. knew it, and you couldn't sleep because you knew you were going to get smashed. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's funny though, when I think about when I was in my twenties, I get excited talking about the smashing. It was like a, a I, I was always <laughs> amped, and and then when I got to my late thirties and early forties, I remember you know I was like, oh yeah, I'll try and go to the Olympics in twenty twelve, and I think I was yeah about your age now, thirty eight, thirty nine, and I remember going to the one in Austria. Um, What's the name of it? Kitzbühel. Oh, Kitzbühel. And I didn't want anybody to touch me. I'd become this like, don't touch me, don't touch me kind no. of athlete. Whereas I think in my 20s, I was I was completely, maybe it was more testosterone. I don't know what it was. But I, I as I got older, I'm like, oh, I really don't want to be touched. I mean, you don't, as a phenomenal swimmer like yourself, you're really not having to deal with terribly much when you come to those turns. So, I mean, compared to the rest of us. Yeah, but it's it's a thing. Like for me, swimming has always been connected to a lot of effort. Like th- mm. people always say, "Oh, yeah, that looked easy," and I'm like, "Dude, you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea how much work goes into this." Like one of the things that um, that I'm doing at the moment is going through a lot of my old data simply because I, I have a new new partner, new mm. um, uh, software partner, and what they do is they they analyze data, right? And I've given them access to my Training Peaks account. And they've downloaded like like ten years worth of data, and it's really phenomenal to see what happens over all that time and how much work goes into, um, you know, the twenty minutes or the forty minutes or the or, the, or whatever you see on 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 the final race day. You know, there's mm, just mm. so much there, and it's such a fine line between sessions that work out and sessions that don't work out. It's um. Yeah. Um, Have you got anything that comes top of mind on that on that data? Because I know a lot of listeners love all the data. And uh, is there anything that stands out to you that go look ten years ago, but now I'm, you know, this is how I was, and now I'm this kind of an athlete, or or a certain workout that you kind of think made a big bigger impact, or certain workouts over a period of time? Um, well, certain. Well, I don't know. I mean, definitely changing my swimming to the Australian swim school with, um, you know, JR from Noosa, mm-hmm. John Rogers, legendary swim coach from Noosa in his 80s, you know, takes no, no BS at all um, <laughs> and, and, and calls a spade a spade, which is, which is refreshing. You know, once you get yeah. to a certain level in sport, you need people around you who, who call a spade a spade. And um, um, that definitely has helped, you know, his sessions, um, and and many people obviously say they they're more swimming catered, but he has a few open water guys, and it's just really it's just believing in it, you know. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of guy you walk on pool deck, and he will tell you how you're going to go before you know how you're going to go. 
um, just from his experience and, and really having had that over a few years has given me a lot more enjoyment in swimming and actually enjoying the sessions he does. But, you know, they're, they're standard sessions in terms of eight by 400 meters on, on short rest um, in terms of keeping your best average, that kind of stuff is, um, you know, it's just bread and butter. And really you realize this, that there's just no magic to it. You just got to show up. It's just hard work, work and, and consist- just, consistent hard work and it's very uncomfortable. And one side thing with JR, I I love the guy because he is that old school. I don't know how old he is now, but he's like – 82 is he um but every time i would come into swimming and i didn't swim under jr much uh but i know you were doing a lot with him he'd always grab my arms like greg should have seen what yarn did this morning <laughs> i'm like every single day i had to hear about what workout he loves you and uh i mean he, I, it, was, it was always great i was always happy to listen to it but it was like what? and then you'd be off doing a race how do you think yarn's gonna go i think you're you're really one of his favorites. So um, thinking of you, JR, if you're listening, mate. Um, but let, let, let's move on to the bike because in, in Miami, you uh, you went full throttle. You took that bike and, and really you didn't look back. What was it like sort of – what was that feeling of moving to the front of the race on the bike so early and taking command? Was that part of the whole race plan? Um, to be honest, it was one of those things where the bike was the one thing that I – know that my numbers don't quite match up yet and i i know you know guys like lionel who've been in 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 training camp after training camp after training camp it feels like they're they're just always always on form and always going and obviously because he's so vocal about his training too you kind of realize that you you know his his numbers are just always on Mm. um and and i knew that my numbers weren't quite there yet but at the same time you know i was going on on a solid solid curve and, and and things were coming but really it was honestly um just the race plan that dan had given me my coach dan um and then throwing it out the window after about a lap and just being like you know what screw this i'm just gonna go i just want to race i just want to have a good time it was 17 I- laps for everybody when Jan says a lap <laughs> so he threw it out basically at the start of the bike <laughs> and and you know what it was just yeah it was like into the wind, I was obviously trying to work harder and, and, and trying to, you know, maximize the power output. And I honestly didn't realize that the group had dropped because um, because I think T.O., Timothy O'Donnell, he also rode a white bike as well as Starkey. And I just saw the white bike at one time that I looked back in the, in the hairpin and I thought it was, it was still T.O. sitting on my wheel. Um, but then next thing... Starkey comes around the corner, abuses me, and he's like, well, it's probably not. Why did he friendly. abuse you? What happened? <laughs> because I, I was taking the inside line on, on a hairpin turn. I'm like, yeah, Oh, which you were allowed to ob- do. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I was happy for him to come around. And, and when he came around, the power just went right up. Um, and, and so did the speed, um, which I was happy for because I figured it would give me more time until whoever is coming from the back would come. Mm. And. Um, uh, honestly, it was just it was just one of those moments where you just like, let's race, let's let's go hard. You know, it's only going to be about three hours of a race. I I sort of estimated two fifty, um, ended up being a little bit less than that. But it was really just a moment of of thriving at the idea of racing. 
Yeah. Who, who are you thinking about on the bike when you're on there? Are you thinking about others or are you really focused on the data? I mean, you talk about Starkey coming around and it was nice to have him sort of move to the front for a bit, but are you thinking about anybody chasing from behind in particular? Um, well, I expected Marcus Didlef to come around just because mm. <clears throat> he, he seemed to be riding well or seems to be riding well. Um, but I did also expect, you know, more more guys to come around. I did expect, you know, sort of the the Sanders and Co to come around and um, and, and and pull that deficit up from the swim just simply because I knew that that my swim was up there, but my riding wasn't quite up there, and my run is up there again. So I kind of yeah was just um, just basically leaving a little bit in the tank to be sure to be able to react. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I love that this past week you put up, um, like you mentioned, your new company that you're working with is uh, SAP Technology. So I, I, I've heard of them and I know of them. Um, so that's, that's a big deal that you, you're with those guys. But I love some of the stuff that you put up this past week on your, on your Instagram stories. And, and it had the, had the map of the course and it showed basically it was green when you were down on your, 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 what they call your FTP, functional threshold power for people that doesn't know. It's a, and we don't have to go too scientific. Basically, you were at 93% average for the whole ride. But you could see on the map when you would go under brake and get this little bit of a, a, a relax, it would go green. And then it would go red as you came out of each corner. You'd be like, boom, get your, get your power right up there again. And what I also noticed was, like you said, when Starkey joined you, it must have been on lap seven, eight, and nine. All of a sudden, you were at 97%. Of, yeah. of your total threshold power it was just fantastic data to be able to see you know i i'm not usually right into the whole data things but that was kind of an entertaining kind of way to look at it on that do they give you like you what are you i mean you don't have to share this if you don't want but when you talk do you do what's per kilo on that or are you just looking at ftp um i i i haven't had a scale since the olympics <laughs> in 2012 it, scales have almost made me retire from the sport. And yeah, yeah, me I, too. Oh man, I hate it, and and not just hate it. I hate it with a passion, yeah, and yeah. really, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Other yeah. than that, I once weighed myself in order to log on to Zwift, and and be more or less, more or less, not not too much of a cheat. Um, but I don't adapt it when not I fluctuate. Too much of a cheat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I haven't done Zwift, to be honest. I feel like I'm, you know, we talked about before we came on air how poor we are with technology. I still go into my dark little door, corner of my garage and hop on an old mag trainer that just hums away quietly and listen to some music. And I, I sit there thinking, I should get on the to, to Zwift. Get me an email. Been... I'll get you an account. You will love it. Honestly, <laughs> game changer. Like like genuine, I hate the word game changer or the, the words game changer. Yeah, yeah. But but this really, it's it's changed my indoor training for the better. Um, sure. And just, you know, for the work we do, it's, it's really good, but it's interactive. And the funny thing is I meet people from all around the world um, and, and, and that's the cool thing. You know, you get to kind of share a bit of time. It's not like you've got anything to do on, on, on a few of those rides. You know, we're not doing intervals or anything like that. And even if you are doing intervals, um, somebody will come sit on your wheel, which tends to actually, between you and I, it, it normally makes me angry <laughs> when somebody <laughs> just comes and joins in and they sit on your wheel and you can see how much power they're putting out, right? So you know they're putting out like 100 watts less than you, but because of the draft algorithm, they're still sitting there. <laughs> and it just fuels me through those intervals. <laughs> and I just, 
Oh man, the amount of how do we turn these egos be- off? How do we turn these egos off? How do we turn it so it's not but all? Why would you? You know, you, you need a bit of ego. It's 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 kind of it's not no, a bad thing, you know. Of to course. especially in in the very narrow space that we act in terms of professional sports, it's just it's just a part of it, and also nothing to be, you know, that you need to excuse yourself for. I think there are other places to be. Uh, ego-free and more social and more caring of your environment but man what are you going to do you know put me on a bike no way i mean that's what i always say a good bike group around the world has enough ego so we all get a really great workout but not so much that we're all abusing each other you know it's kind of like trying to find the right right amount uh, yeah, totally. You still got to be happy for the guy who who actually comes through, you know, but yeah. I mean, yeah. talking about not wanting people behind you. I was next to you in in Challenge Miami. <laughs> uh, when you were on the run, you've headed out and you've opened up. And you're now comfortably in the lead and, and you're starting to sort of lap athletes. And there was this one moment where Taylor Reed, um, you just you just passed him because it was a seven lap run. So we're looking at like how many, what was it, a mile and a half lap? 2.2K apparently. 2.2K. Um, and so you'd lap Taylor Reed and then he latched onto the back of you and he'd been running behind you probably for about, I don't know, 500 meters or so. Taylor Reed. There you go. I didn't. I had no idea who it and, was. And he's much shorter, and you come around into the headwind, and you're running along, and all of a sudden, you do this <laughs> enormous sidestep. Like it was like you ran probably three meters to the right, accelerated, and I looked down. I looked down at the the motorbike in front of me, and it said 15 miles an hour. Like it was, and that for people that's 24k an hour. So you've dropped down. You've dropped the hammer to. Probably 245k pace <laughs> to just get rid of him off behind you as you ran it. This is going into the headwind. I, I thought that was, I mean, it obviously was infuriating you. What what were you thinking? <laughs> it, it actually, it, it wasn't infuriating me in, in the slightest bit. I just, I just wanted the most bang for my buck. You know, I'd been <laughs> training, I've been training hard and I, I really missed racing. And it was just one of those moments, you know, just. Just telling myself, like, I mean, you know, you got to keep concentrated at the time as well. And, mm. and basically, you know, it's a race and, and you come there. And I, I mean, I just live for this stuff. I love it. And, and mm. genuinely, I just wanted to come out and, and to, to put it in Aussie terms, give myself a good flogging. And, yeah. and, and that's, that's all it was. I just really wanted the sensation of racing, of having someone there and then just running an attack. And, mm. and, mm. That's all it was. It was there was no hindsight. It was just a spontaneous thing of like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's let's play. That's awesome. I mean, the fact that you had that energy to play, I thought that was that was fantastic. When, when at what point did you think you know did you had had the race in the bag? Was it pretty early on in that run, or was it much later? Oof. <laughs> I don't want to lie, but I mean, honestly, like, I, yeah, I mean, I, I knew my running was was decent. Um, and, and, and really when there wasn't anyone nearby that I, that I saw, or there wasn't anyone in front of me, uh, towards the end of the bike, it, it just kind of becomes fairly, I, I, well, yeah. I became confident, um, yeah. in, in being able to perform on the run and, and really I'd, um, kind of hope thought that matt hansen may have um may have come by because I've, I've never really had a chance to race him and i've just mm. heard about his phenomenal running and his, his his prowess on the run and um was really looking forward to 
to seeing um, firsthand uh, what he, you know, how, how it would feel. I just remember him and, and Vincent Lewis going at it out of transition in Daytona, and just like it just looked like they were sprinting straight from you know from from T two. Um, but um, in the end, yeah, it was it was nice to be able to enjoy the run. Yeah, <laughs> so you were pretty confident early on. You know, I mean, I, I, I you were asking. You know, I was on the motorbike. We couldn't hear each other. But you get, <laughs> were you getting splits? I mean, I was, I was on a Harley or whatever next to you, and you were yelling something at me. I had, I had somebody in my headphones and the, and the helmet on. I couldn't hear what you were saying. Were you getting splits on the course to know that you had, you know, I think you had six minutes on Matt Hansen um, off the bike or something like that. And you know, no, I had almost, no idea. Had, I, almost I three minutes to Lionel. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. It's just in between you. I knew it was a two and a half minutes to Lionel, and then you said two minutes to Lionel, and I'm like, <laughs> what? Kept pulling back thirty seconds a lap. Don't you hate when you uh, can't get a decent split? <laughs> I, I was just throwing out numbers, mate. <laughs> yeah, it turns out to be that way. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, that was that was obviously yeah that was a little bit like oh geez that was that was a bit daunting. Yeah, but then I realised it was actually a pretty stable stable gap. Um, yeah. Until I dropped the gel and, and had to and, and, and ran back to to kind of pick up my litter, yeah. um, and that's when I lost another I don't know ten fifteen seconds, but yeah it was um, yeah that was probably <laughs> the most uh, daunting moment on that run where you told me like from one lap from two thirty down to two minutes and I'm like this is what? Greg Bennett he knows about his but no, he, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be I, bullshit I had I had no clocks I didn't know if I was allowed to talk to you it was the whole thing of you know, I I think, uh, and I didn't even hear what you were really asking. And I had the producer in my ear, and I'm saying, "What is the time gap?" You know, to whatever whoever's behind. And um, well, that was the then, thing. Like, I, I I figured that the the coaching rules must have been thrown out the window at this race because there was Erin um, uh, Lionel's wife. She was um, she was at the side of the course, and she had like a. A, uh, a board, you know, with like splits that she'd hide every time I come past. Oh, <laughs> really? She was obviously stopping and handing them to Lionel. Oh, and- well, well, it's always easier for the person chasing to get splits. I mean, I don't know what the coaching rule is on the side of the line. I, I know you can't go next to somebody, like stay next to them. Um, yeah, yeah. But when, when, you, when you're winning a race, nobody ever gives you any information. But when you're second and third, you get all the splits because people just can be anybody standing on the side. They start the watch when you go past and and then they go, oh, yeah, they're two minutes in front or whatever. So I always feel like the people chasing get all the information and, and the guy leading never or girl leading, woman leading never gets anything. So, um, yeah, I, I was very – I didn't give you terribly much and by the sound of it, I, I might have given you the wrong stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I whatever. It, it was only a matter of a few seconds, you know. No, Normally no. when you're going around in an Ironman, it, it, it really is one of those things where I've, I've genuinely within a couple of hundred meters heard something between four and eight yes. minutes. Yes. And, and it's like that's, that, that's a fairly big difference. <laughs> Don't you hate that? Get it right, people. Now tell me, mate, how, how did it fin- feel, you know, to, to just cross that line, you know, with the win? Um, to be honest, like it was such an elation because you think about like, well, you you know, you've been around the circuit and normally, you know, it's, it's an open season or it's a, it's, it's not a massive race, but because of the little racing we've done, it actually does turn into a massive race all of a sudden. Um, and, and it was such an elation after a long time because 
these days I've got a team around me, I've got my family around me and, and, and all these people watching. And, and of course the pressure builds up and it, it really is a mm-hmm. great feeling to, you know, to bring it home for the team because they, they put a lot of effort into it and, and do so regardless of the times and, you know, things go on. But um, it's, it's obviously not easy um, for, for the team as well in these times and, and to bring it home with them and for them is was really really a, a cool feeling you know just one of those mm. happy days was there a little bit of relief like with, with that pressure was it kind of a relief to have the performance you're after yeah absolutely i mean you, know, yeah. you don't wake up at three o'clock in the morning for a 3 p.m race for nothing you know there's definitely some <laughs> stress building up there and <clears throat> it was definitely you know after the whole trip and everything i mean jesus you know my wife Emma. I mean, I could have quarantined for another week at home if I hadn't come home with the with the goods. I could have just booked into a hotel somewhere else before I could come home. And yeah, yeah all the shit I've had to put up with, you go spend another week somewhere else. <laughs> exactly. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, well, I I love that you brought it. I think one of the the, the if I want to say one of the good things about COVID, which is I guess we should recognize some of the good, but Having fewer races mean we are getting these incredible fields where people are desperate to race and they're desperate to show their fitness and their performance. And, you know, I almost feel like when we look back two years ago, the fields, we had to wait just for Kona or we had to wait just for the Olympic Games because otherwise we never got the best or turning up. Whereas I feel like with fewer races, we're starting to, we're starting to see some really great racing. Do you think much the same? Yeah, I totally would agree with you that um, yeah. it, it, it does make it interesting. You know, it's kind of I had half an eye on on on, on Texas for about five minutes until it got cancelled, mm. um, and and really you can just see the options are few and far between. And even now, you know, we don't know what racing is going to be going on. More and more races getting postponed, cancelled, all these kind of things. And and I think people are realizing that the opportunities may become few and far between. And, and for the quality of racing, that's definitely a good thing. Um, you know, think about, uh, again, coming back to ITU days, you used to have six, seven, eight chances, um, but you, you really had to commit to those in terms of the, the tier one races. And you had to commit to those and you had to be there and, and you knew that it was going to be a 20% field um, back in the day when they awarded I think was it two percent extra per top twenty athlete or something like that. Yeah, I never knew how they did that math. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was weird, and, but anyways, there, yeah. there were a lot of top ranked athletes there at, at, at every race, and, and that is definitely a good thing in terms of the quality of racing and the quality of fields. Mm-hmm. Um, although it of course makes it tough for for up and coming pros, but I also do believe that that's good for them because you just get. Uh, reality check straight away of course and, and look i think when we you know were growing up in the late 80s early 90s and, and you were every time you went to do a race especially in the mid 90s everybody was there every yeah. single time you yeah. got to step up and you knew where the mark was every single time you got to race and it's not a bad thing it did mean that a lot of us had to have part-time jobs and everything else because i wasn't beating the greg welsh and brad bevins of the world or simon lessing or whoever it was at the time you, you they were just better but you got to race them and that's man never shy away from racing the best if every opportunity i'd rather work at sizzler you know which was a little 
chain of restaurants around <laughs> the world. But you know, I, I wouldn't. I'd, I'd rather work there twenty hours a week and get to race the best in the world more often than not work and get paid random checks and just kind of go. Well, that's not what that's not what that's about. It's about trying to see how good you can be, and you might as well measure up against the best every time you can. Yeah, and 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 especially give it your best every mm. every time. You know, because there's um, yeah, there, there's more and more chit chat and more and more talk going on about you know all these kind of um i don't know they almost feel like war cries um but then then there aren't that i feel like there aren't that many guys committing themselves to going all out on the day Mm. um and and that may be a completely false observation but it generally feels like you know that there's a lot of talk and then there's a lot of oh well can't even we, we, we can't bridge that gap anymore um, I might might as well not try. Well, I, I'm going to settle. I think one of the things um, when you've you've had the success that you've had is there's a there's a freedom. There's it's free. You're free to to fly. You know when you race, like there's no okay. I better play it safe for a top ten paycheck, or it, it, it's I'm free to let loose. Do you think that's kind of a part of it? Or, I mean, I I kind of felt that towards the end of my career, where it was like I've done everything I want to do, so I can. I'm just going to smash this. I have zero fear of any consequence. Do you, is that kind of how you look at it as well? Yeah, totally. I mean, that, that kind of freedom is the only thing I think that really unleashes your performance. I was speaking to, uh, to Vince yesterday, Vince and Louis, we, we had a, mm. we had a coffee together and we were just chatting about it all. And he's like, man, I'm, I'm going to the Olympics. And it's like, I really want that medal, but I know it's not going to change my life. Like I'm going to go there and I'm just going to, give it my all and 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 that's exactly that kind of thing you know the 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 carefreeness of of being able to just go and lay it all on the line unfortunately for that carefreeness you also need a lot of fitness to back it up because otherwise that's going to backfire pretty quick but <laughs> but you you also realize that you know after after having gotten yourself to a point of fitness many times you you know when you're talking yourself up to be fit or when you're actually fit. And, and I think, um, yeah, having that knowledge on race day is probably one of the most fulfilling feelings in terms of being, yeah, just just able to, to play, like you said early on. To, mm. You know, I don't think I had that kind of ability many times in my ITU days, but um, I also wasn't training as consistently and as, um, as smart, really, as I am these days. I hope you enjoyed part one of this conversation. In in part two, we dive a little deeper into Jan's life and his daily process. Um, If you'd like to support what I'm doing, you can visit my Patreon page. That's uh, The Greg Bennett Show at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And you can give as little or as much as you like, um, and you can cancel whenever you want. But uh, every little bit just helps me keep this this show running so i really appreciate it thanks again for your support and stay consistent and endure just one moment longer thanks a lot for listening if you enjoyed the show your support would truly be appreciated you can visit the patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice don't miss the next episode so subscribe and be notified for show notes if you want to know more please visit bennettendurance.com I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope 
you will join Greg again very soon. <laughs>